The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. Welcome to Courtney Beyond the Cake, stories that inspire, uplift, and fill your soul with joy, much like cake. She's known for her delicious Swiss meringue buttercreams, creative cakes like her London Bog Cake, and two cookbooks full of decadent desserts and easy to follow how-tos. But Tessa Huff wasn't always a lover of cakes. In fact, she didn't even like baking when she was growing up. She was too busy dancing. It wasn't until she was nearing the end of college and took a job in the school's bakery that she started to fall in love with making sweet treats. From there, she taught herself the ins and outs of cake making, opened up her very own bakery, became a wildly popular blogger, an author of two cookbooks, and a mother of two. Today on Courtney Beyond the Cake, we hear how this Southern California dancer became the well-known baker she is today. Welcome back to Courtney Beyond the Cake. I'm thrilled to have my Instagram friend, and now I feel like my real-life friend, Tessa Huff from Style Suite, here with me via Zoom. I've been following Tessa for years, and so I'm having a little bit of a fangirl moment because, Tessa, you were one of the very first cake bloggers I started following when I started my cake journey. Well, it's such an honor to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me, and it's so funny that you say that because I do remember... Um, you reaching out to me, I think even doing a blog post when my first book came out and that was four or five years ago. And now you've become such a superstar yourself. And I just, I've seen the hard work that you put into everything. And I feel like you've surpassed me in so many ways, actually. And I've been really enjoying to watch. It's been an, an honor to watch your journey from when I first found out about you and then now all the things that you've accomplished in just a short amount of time. Well, that is incredibly kind. And I, I just feel so grateful to you and other bloggers like you who are so willing to share your knowledge and just so gracious with all your information and your cookbooks are amazing. And so we have so much to talk about today. I feel like I've learned so much from you over the last 10 years. And I, have gotten to know you just through your cookbooks and your blog and the, and the things that you write and that you share. Um, and there's so much more to your story, even from what you shared on Instagram and in your book. So I'd love to, to chat a little bit about that today. Yeah, of course. I just feel like I've always thought that there was never, I always love to share just because I, I just, I write like I talk and I tend to just overshare a lot of the times, but I also don't feel like I, I need to hold back in that sense because I feel like there's enough space for everybody and I don't feel like I need to hold on to my secrets just so, you know, I can do cake a certain way or I figured out how to balance life with cakes and kids. I mean, which I haven't, but I don't feel <laughs> like I need to hold back on that because I think there's just room for everybody to learn and do this and follow their love for cake or baking or whatever, you know? Absolutely. And I love it. I mean, I feel like that's why I was just drawn to you from the get-go because you you shared so much, but you you shared it willingly and graciously. And um, I just think that's such a wonderful aspect about you and your blog and just everything that you do. And so, all right, 
let's just dive right into it. I think one of the things people always want to know when you're making cakes or any hobby or passion that you've had that you've turned into a business, how did you get started in cakes? I did not do any sort of baking or cooking until I went away to college. I just had, I had no interest growing up. I was very busy as a kid. I did, my mom had me in gymnastics, soccer, swimming, dance. And I actually, it was, it was dance and ballet that I did all the way through college even. So I, I had no interest in cooking and um, I grew up with my mom cooking a lot, which was, which was great um, until I had to start cooking for myself. And in between classes was, I would watch Food Network and that's when it was really starting to get going. And I would, there's not a lot of daytime TV in between like college courses. And so I'd be like watching them like, Hey, I think I could do this. I think I could, <laughs> I think I could cook for myself. And it was, it was really back when like Rachel Ray started with her 30 minute meals and things like that. So that's what I, I started on. And that was probably like 2004 or so. And then I started baking and I picked up my first um, kitchen job, which was on campus. I went to UC Davis and they have a huge student run um, kitchen on campus. And it, they have like 250 students that work there. And so my senior year, I got a job and um, they had a few different departments in there, but of course the bakery was my favorite. And even though like scooping cookie dough, like 6 a.m. and this was like large batch to feed like, you know, the whole school, it was so, I, I found it to be so much fun. And um, that's really where I was like, oh, I think I like this more than going to class. And I really hadn't had, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was a communications major, I'm a minor in education. And I just, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with that. And, but I really enjoyed the cooking and the baking. And so I started doing that in, my, in all of my free time. And I discovered that like baking, even when like living with a bunch of roommates and things, that was like a way to kind of de-stress and be creative and like kind of calm my mind between like my social schedule and my school schedule and everything else that was going on in that time. And so then when I graduated, um, I considered culinary school. I definitely looked it up, but I had just finished my four years at Davis. And I was like, do I want to go to school? Do I want to pay for culinary school right now? And I it had this brand new degree. I was like, well, maybe I should try to use it. So I, I worked for a year um, and I just could not stop thinking about baking. And I would bake cakes for all my friends. I would practice all the time. And I think it was really my family that really encouraged me to try it. Because at the time I was living with my brother and I didn't have any huge responsibilities. I didn't have any kids. And so they, my mom pretty much said, why don't you try to work at a bakery? Like we support you. We think you should try it. Cause then at least, you know, if it was just a hobby and then you can quit and you can get over it and move on with your life or you go and you do it and you love it. And of course that was the case. I loved it and I never turned back. So, and then at that point I was just working at, at a local bakery where I would, um, I was at the very, very bottom ladder or, to, or you know, step of the ladder as far as the cake decorators went. Cause that was my first time really working at a bakery and I would just fill and frost cakes every single day for about a year. And that was like my first entry into this whole world. Do you remember your very first cake that you made? Um, I remember, I do remember one 
um, again, it was back in college and I was making a cake for my, one of my friend's birthdays, or it was my roommate's birthday. And I was trying to do like a cake with like fresh strawberries and, um, and buttercream. And I didn't have any cookbooks and the internet was very scarce back then. And so I like, just trying to search like frosting recipe. And I, I, it was just like a standard, like American buttercream. And it's like four cups of powdered sugar to your, to, you know, your one cup of butter, like, you know, any standard American buttercream recipe now. And I'm like, and for me, I was like, reading this is the first time I've ever made frosting. It's like, that is way too much sugar. There's no way we need four cups of sugar. And so I tried to do it without. And of course it was such a mess. And so the, but the buttercream itself was like all soft and soupy. And then I tried to put freshly sliced strawberries in it and everything just slid out everywhere from the, <laughs> from the cake layers. But that was like one of my first layer cakes I've ever made. And it was such a mess. <laughs> I feel like we, we, as bakers and especially self-taught bakers at the beginning, you have to have those like epic fail moments. And then later I made the same friend's wedding cake, like a few years later. So it's like, this was my redemption to be able to do that. But like, I didn't have, I don't even know what kind of cooking equipment I had back then. Like it was like some, who knows, like what kind of cake pans I was using. Like I said, I didn't even have a recipe book. So, I mean, of course now there's so many recipes online, but there really was none then. So, and you didn't know who to trust. You didn't know who any, you know, there weren't very many food bloggers. This was like 2006 or so. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, yeah, that, gosh, that was right when I, right after I graduated college, I hadn't even made my first cake yet. yet. And I think I was the same. It was like, I didn't have any big fancy tools and it kind of does show you though, you can just go for it with very little tools and, and make it work. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't as pretty as some of my cakes today, but we, we definitely still ate it. And I think that was, and um, you know, there's a, a few good laughs about it. So I think, uh, uh, you know, and you just kind of have to, to try it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so you grew up cooking here and there with your mom and maybe not so much of the baking influence, but you had a lot of food influences in your life. Where did those come from? Yeah. Like I said, I, I personally didn't do much cooking, but my mom always cooked and her mother always cooked. And um, just growing up, we always had dinner as a family. And um, a lot of my, that side of the family's, um, like all my memories of that side of the family are very focused around food. And my mom, um, my grandfather grew up in Hawaii and my grandmother is Puerto Rican. So food in that culture is, is very important. And so when we would go to see my family in Hawaii, we would do, a, they had, you know, it was very humid, um, not a lot of air conditioning. And this is like true Hawaii, not resort at the pool, which is awesome, which I, I love that too. Um, and we would stay like, you know, we'd go and see my aunt and like, they would have a lot of carports. And you'd have the carport party where everyone would have like their potluck. And so because it was so warm, no one wanted to cook or be inside. And we would all hang out outside and everyone would bring all the food and have all the music. And so many of my childhood memories are kind of are based on, on those uh, moments with my family and around food. Even though I wasn't cooking, I just knew that that was such an important part of my family. And the fact that they were always, you know, my grandmother, she was always cooking everything from scratch. And um, that was such, that I think that part of her is kind of ingrained in me. Like, it's so funny because my, my grandmother had passed a few years ago, but 
had I gotten to know her now, I feel like I could have connected to her on a different level with not even just cooking too, but just like anything that has to do with like gardening or sewing. Like she was so good at that, those types of things. And now I find myself like trying to, you know, plant my little patio garden and bake bread and things where I, I feel a connection with her through not just cooking, but like all those other like homesteading activities. I love that. And it truly makes you appreciate your parents and their parents and all those moments, even though as a young girl in those gatherings, you didn't quite maybe connect what that was going to mean for your, your future, you know, but you, you have these awesome memories that revolve around food and it's family time. And I know for me, it, it means that there was just so much love felt in all those moments. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, they always say there's the, the people that, you know, um, what's the phrase eat to live versus live to eat. And my family definitely live, like live to eat. We love, <laughs> we love food in my family. And it's always been a part of, like you said, feeling the love that, that I feel from like someone that cooks for me. And that's kind of what I've done too. Like, I feel like I first started making cakes as a way to share my love with other people. Like I might not be able to find the right words to say how I want to feel, but like I always found that like, you know, taking the time to bake someone their most favorite dessert or, you know, turn their favorite flavors into a cake was always my way of like showing my love and appreciation. And, you know, I hope to can, you know, give that back to, from how I felt growing up. I, I love that in one of your cookbooks too, you shared that during college for Christmas, right? You baked your friends cakes for, for their Christmas gift. Yeah, that was the very start of it. Yeah, it was, we, you know, we would always take off for Christmas and, and not really see each other, but we wanted to do something quickly before everybody headed home for the, for the holiday. And so, you know, we were going to run out and go like shopping and it was hard to like, you know, like buy, we didn't really want to buy gifts for each other. So being able to make something and I, that was my, you know, when I, right when I first started doing cakes. And so I made each little, each roommate, their own individual little cake. And I tried to like pipe their, their names on it. And this was like the trick, you know, when you use like a plastic yes. zip top bag and you snip the corner and then you write on it. And, so that was my very first um, experience with a piping bag. <laughs> that is so fun. And I bet they loved it and it meant so much to them. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So when did you decide, like, what was the moment? Can you remember when you decided, okay, this is more than just a hobby. You'd worked at the bakery for a year. Um, and then you decided to open your own bakery. Like, what was that process like? I had worked at the, at the bakery. It's called Freeport Bakery in Sacramento. California and it's been around for a long time. I know they celebrated the 25th anniversary a few years ago and um, I found my way into their kitchen and when I first went in there I told the manager like I just I just want a job like I, I just finished college um, I, I haven't found a career that I love but I love baking and if you have a job for me please let me try it out and she's, she looked at me because all, they were hiring like front of staff or front of house staff, and most of the other applicants were local teenagers. Yeah. And she looked at me, and she's like, okay, I have something else for you. And because she's like, I don't think you're going to enjoy this. This is usually just like a part-time thing for some of the kids that lives in the neighborhood. But she found me a spot in the kitchen. And then I quickly 
graduated to a cake decorator because there was an opening and I, I like tried to snap it right at the, you know, right when I found out that one of the other girls was leaving. And so I, like I said, I frosted and filled their, like the cakes that they would sell in the case mm-hmm. at the bakery. That's kind of where I was positioned at. And so I would fill and frost those every single day. And I did that for an entire year. And I still loved it. Like it was kind of monotonous for some people. It was the same schedule every week. Like on Mondays, we'd work on this flavor. And on Tuesdays, we did this one. And on the weekends, we would do all the ones with like the fresh berries and things. And, but I never really got, we really got tired of it. But I, I knew at that point that I really enjoyed this. And there, the bakery there, they had so many other cake decorators. Like I still didn't really get to, you know, decorate any of the cakes. They, they did weddings and big things like that, but there, they had so many other people on staff that had been there way longer than me that were doing those things. And I knew it was going to take a long time for me to climb that ladder. And I just, it was a time where like more novelty cakes were getting really popular and like, you know, fondant was definitely a thing. And, um, you know, all the handcrafted like sugar flowers for weddings, that was becoming really popular. And like, I really, really wanted to do that. And so I would practice at home and I came to the point where it's like, I, I love this job. Um, not necessarily outgrown it, but I know if I want to do the types of things that I really want to do, I'm going to have to leave. Mm-hmm. because I couldn't stay there long enough. And I, even if I had stayed there now, who knows? You know, who knows? You had me like waiting for other people to retire before I had have a chance to really get to do the work that I really was passionate about. So I was still, you know, fairly young. And um, I wanted to open up a custom cake bakery or say, you know, a little boutique or studio, whatever you want to call it. And my city didn't really have anything like that at, at the time. And like uh, larger cities did, and they had them in, in, you know, San Francisco and New York. And so I was like, well, let me try to do this. And it was, you know, it took a little bit to try to, you know, get my message across of like, I'm not open every day. You can't come in for a cookie. You can't, you know, you can't just stop by for a cupcake. It was appointment only to do like tastings and things like that. And then it was special occasion cakes. And so it would be for weddings and baby showers and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was just, I was wanting to do that. And it was at the time, like I said, there was no other place in my city that was doing that. So it's like, if I'm not the first one to do it and somebody else does, I'm going to be really disappointed. So I was like, I better start doing this uh, while I can. And so I did. And I opened, um, the bakery was called the Frosted Cake Shop. That's so cute. Yeah, I had it for about four years before we moved. Okay, so tell me about that. those four years. I'm really curious what you loved about having your own bakery and then what was really hard about doing that? Um, I did love having my own space. I mean, and I, I probably didn't realize how much I would appreciate it now that I share my <laughs> space with my kids and I have a small apartment and now my husband's working from home. Um, and I have, you know, I feel like I have no personal space. Which is fine, but then I didn't have kids. I was very newly married, um, but I still was able to leave and go to a spot that was my very own. And I did love it. Um, Like I said, it was getting to know the community and working one-on-one with customers. I love the fact that I got to meet my clients, talk to them face-to-face, do the tasting, and then I would be the one actually making their cake and designing it. 
and everything. And so I got to go from like, you know, all go from the beginning all the way through the end until I'm delivering it at their wedding. And like, for me, that was really important to be able to, to really get to know them and um, kind and still I was almost, I was working to kind of explain still like what I did because I was still kind of new the whole idea of I, I make custom cakes. So, you know, and I had to kind of, you know, handhold a little bit to get people to understand like this, you know, I will do, you know, match the flavors that you want, you know, with the design and everything. Um, and that was really exciting and fun for me. And I had a lot of beautiful clients that way. Um, but working on my own meant there was, if I didn't do it, no, nobody was going to do it. Like if I called, I, you can't call in sick. Um, you have to remember to order the boxes and the ingredients and pay your rent. And, you know, there's so much more than cake in that sense. If I just had to do the cake bar, that was only half the work anyway. Um, but even then still, like, I, you know, scheduling everything was always a challenge because I was literally the only one doing things. And I would have help from my mom and my husband would come in. And if I had two wedding cake deliveries that were on, you know, other sides of town, you know, sometimes someone else would do a delivery. But um, so that was always one of the challenges. And that was kind of how I felt when I, well, we, I closed the bakery mostly because we moved. Yeah. We moved to Canada. But um, I also knew that if I ever wanted the business to grow, I would have to hire somebody. And at that point, it was just me and my family. And I really liked that. But like I said, half of the, th half the time I was doing non-cake related things anyway. And I was afraid that if I hired somebody and trained them in the kitchen, then I would be stuck behind a desk, mm. not actually getting to do what I really loved. And the only way that I was going to be able to continue to grow that business was to, was to hire some people. But I kind of came to that conclusion right when we were moving anyway. And I knew I wasn't going to open up another bakery right away when we moved. So it was definitely, I learned the lesson, but I haven't been able to apply it yet. So we'll see if I ever open up another space. I have no idea, you know, well, and you, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be for a very long time. I'm not, I'm not in that space right now. Well, you've got young kids at home and when you moved to Canada though, you had made the decision, you weren't going to open another bakery, but you started blogging. What led to that decision? Well, that was very, a very like natural progression for me. Like I had a website that was connected to my bakery and I would kind of share some recipes and things and like blogging was still very new. I'm not even sure I knew what a blog versus a website versus, you know, anything else was back then. And so when I moved, I kind of redid like my little website and I still wanted to connect with people. And so I was missing my like in-person real life clients, but I found so many more online. And so that's what kind of what I took, you know, the recipes and experiences from the bakery and I was sharing them online with a new, you know, a new audience. Um, although one, I don't really, you know, see face to face very often, but it was still like kind of a natural progression and, and blogging was to pick up back then. Um, my brother is a photographer, so he, um, generously lent me one of his old cameras. And so I, because he did that, I, I made a commitment to myself to really learn how to use it. So that's when I learned food photography. Um, and those that, and I fell in love with the photography side as well. And the photography and the food blogging really went hand in hand. And so 
it was just a natural thing for me to do, especially in a new city where I didn't really know that many other people. Yeah. And tell us what goes into a week of blogging, like one new recipe for you. Uh, I would say I mean, it's very much different now than it was then. That's for sure. I think in the beginning, I was still trying to to learn. Um, like I said, I was teaching myself how to do the photos at the same time. And food blogging was a little bit different then too. Like, you know, we would write about what inspired us to make this dish and what we did that day. And, you know, they, you know, people would pepper their stories with all these personal anecdotes. And I feel like there's been such a shift away from that right now where, and it's kind of, it's kind of disheartening in a way because a lot of times we find ourselves just writing for Google search and yeah. what's going to rank best on SEO and what are all the things I need to get in the first, you know, hundred words of my blog post to make sure when people search for, you know, I don't know, lemon cake that mine is up there. And so people see it and they click it and, you know, around and around right. we go. So it's kind of taken, you know, blog writing in a whole different direction. Um, I try not to concern myself with that too much because I don't know. And because I do so many different things between writing the books and doing the blog and, you know, I was teaching classes back when we could do that in person, (laughs) you know, there food blogger was never my number one title or not. It was almost a way to get to some of the other things that I really wanted to do, like the books and the in-person things. Um, So now I still am blogging. I still have the the site style suite and um, day to day or week to week is obviously a little bit different now because I have the small kids, but I'm still, I'm still trying to do that. I usually probably only get one new recipe up a month and um, you know, or sorry, up a, up a week if I'm lucky and um, just testing out those recipes, you know, early in the week. If it's good, that's great. If it needs more work, we do it again. And then getting those photos taken, hopefully on the weekend when my husband can take the kids out of the house for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, the juggle is real. And I, I'm sure you get asked that a lot because you have two young kids. How do you manage your time and your baking? Uh, have you figured that out? <laughs> I mean, I no, <laughs> I haven't figured it out completely, but I do make, we do make time. Um, I have a very, very supportive family and husband. If, if they, if he was not on board, it would be very hard, especially yeah. because now he's working at home too. And, um, you know, with school not being full time and, you know, it's actually summertime right now. I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old that have a lot of energy. And sometimes it's hard for me to even bake because my two-year-old wants to be in the kitchen with me. Uh-huh. And she gets so upset and I'm like, no, I have to do this for work you know, it has to actually look nice, (laughs) but we've been able to really figure out a schedule where I have a couple hours in the morning, um, before my husband has to kind of log on for work. And then we kind of share evenings. And then I do, I've always worked a lot of weekends and it's just kind of making, setting your priorities. And right now I have small kids and I love my job. And even before, you know, the pandemic and lockdown and everything, I wasn't doing much else. It's really family and work, and I love both of them so much. And so I, I know if this is only a very short time of my life where the kids will be little, and um, I feel like I don't have any other time. And, and, and I, I accepted that, and that's okay. I don't need to go out and do a lot of other things right now. Yeah. And um, just 
kind of, you know, putting those two priorities first and above most everything else, then it makes it not so hard, you know, to turn down other things. Um, and just trying to fit in those hours wherever we can. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And that is a, a lot of work. I've just read your, your blog post because you, again, have graciously shared so much information. You wrote two whole blog posts on how to write a cookbook and like detailed the whole experience. So I'd love to hear more about that. And where in the world did you fit that in with having two kids during both of those cookbooks? <laughs> well, okay. So I started the blog, um, started blogging when we made the move to Canada and I was doing that for a little while. And I actually had worked, um, on one of my friend's cookbooks and she had made a cookbook and I had gone to help her with decorating cakes for the photos. And so like that whole experience, I didn't even really know that that world existed. This was, um, before you needed a huge social following to even get a book contract. This is when you didn't really even know who the cookbook authors were when you would go to, unless they had a Food Network TV show or were like a famous chef, you probably didn't even know who they were. And that yeah. was fine. It was just a very different time. And it was like kind of making this crossover to like this, the bloggers and the social media influencers. Um, I kind of came in at a time like right in the middle. And so the, the fact that I was working on this cookbook photo shoot was so eye-opening to me to realize like, oh, this, this could be a new job for me. And, and like I said, this is right after I moved and started food blogging. And I didn't even know that that was even going to be an option. And so I was very interested in how cookbooks were even made or who made them and how they were able to do that. And I had already had the, you know, I already have the recipes and the experience um, and the training from working at the bakery and now I needed a new place to share my recipes. And then, and also, that's also when I um, really got into food photography. So I kind of did, I was doing my research. I was looking up like, how do you write a cookbook if you want to write a cookbook? And um, I found out about literary agents and um, cookbook proposals and things like that. And so I was, you know, doing all my research to figure out, you know, if, how do I do this if I wanted to do this? Um, and so that's what you actually will find in those blog posts is I kind of documented like what it was like for me to learn and figure the, all of that out for myself. I got myself an agent who I still have now and I love. Um, and we started kind of going over this whole idea of a proposal and what that entails and started pitching publishers with my, these idea, the idea of writing a book about cake, um, which then turned into layered. And at the same time, um, my husband and I, we were, we wanted to start a family and I, and we really didn't know what would come first. It's like, would I, would I get pregnant right away? I don't know. Would I land a book contract immediately? Probably not. So the timing on both were very out of my hands. And then I find out that my book proposal got accepted by a publisher probably a few weeks after I found out I was pregnant. So <laughs> I told my agent right away, I'm like, um, you're not going to believe this. And she actually guessed it. She says it happens all the time because the whole book writing process is so long. From yeah. the first concept to pitching to publishers to writing the book to editing. And by the time it hits the shelf, it can be, you know, two, three, four years. So it's not uncommon for people to have babies in the middle. So I was like super thankful that she was very supportive. She's like, I could try to get you an extension. I said, well, 
then I would have a newborn. So that's not going to work out very well either. Um, so I wrote my first cookbook while I was pregnant with my son. And um, the manuscript was due maybe a week before he was born. And it, it was, I had saved all of the writing for when, later in my pregnancy, just in case something happened or I was just, you know, obviously tired. Um, and I did all of the recipe testing and all the photos um, early on. And then I saved a lot of the writing. And then thankfully there's some grace period where he was born while the editors, you know, did their thing. And then um, we were able to kind of pick up and keep juggling and, the book came out. That's amazing. That really kept you on a timeline. You're like, I got nine months. (laughs) I I asked my husband because he, he, he's very organized and he's a mathematician and a a coder now. And it's like, okay, you need to make me a spreadsheet. So you need to make me a timetable. You need to make me a a color coded spreadsheet for this book and this baby to make sure I don't fall behind. And it really helped. It really worked. I didn't have much of a choice. So, um, help me stay on track. And then your second cookbook just came out not too long ago. Um, a year ago, April, 2019. Okay. And what was it like? I mean, when you went into that second cookbook, did you feel like I've got this? I mean, I've done one, you've done them all or, or what was that process like doing the second one? One of the reasons, okay, not the reasons, but going into writing a second cookbook, it was all the things I still had to talk about, about cake. Cause they, there were so many things that like I either wasn't able to fit in the first cookbook or I learned since writing it or I learned be, even before it was able to be public, like out on the shelves, like I said, because the process takes so long. It was a lot of things that I, I wish I had said in the first one. Yeah. And then a lot of the learning experiences I got along the way, um, it did make the second one a bit easier. I mean, granted, I, it, I think the first one turned out better than I expected for a first book. So then the second one's like, oh, okay, this one now I have to, I have to kind of, you know, clean up everything, push the photography a little bit more, trying to find the recipes that people really want to make. So then they would, you know, want to have both books. And so mm-hmm. it, it was a balance of like making sure they didn't compete with each other, but also so you could buy one without the other. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely it was a lot easier the second time around. Yeah. Well, I think, and I have both of them and I'm sure many of our listeners do too, because we're all such big fans of yours. But if you don't, Layered is the first cookbook. And then the second is called Icing on the Cake. And it, I really do think you did such a great job at making that just like an extension of the first book, but also you have like you t- your tutorials and like standard recipes that if you don't have the first one, you could get the second one and be ready to go and get started. So I just hats off to you on that because they're both amazing cookbooks. No, thank you so much. Uh, do you have a favorite cake from either one of them or that you've created over the years? Um, my favorite cake is the one from Laird that actually I was so surprised that everybody else loved too. Well, maybe I shouldn't be surprised because it is my favorite cake. It's the London Fog Cake. The one that it has Earl Grey buttercream and then the salted caramel. And that was my favorite cake because I love anything Earl Grey tea. And I was so surprised that people fell in love with that one. And it was instantly like a fan favorite. And I was very happy that 
it was well received and it's still my favorite cake and every time I talk about it, everyone tells me how much that's their favorite cake from that book too so I really I'm really happy that okay I've got to make that one still I feel so bad I haven't because I know I see you repost it all the time I'm not a huge tea drinker but every time I see all these other people making that one I was like okay this has got to be a killer cake because it like you said everyone makes it and loves it <laughs> Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, the, the buttercream is really, really tasty. So if you don't like tea or like I said, that one's made with Earl Grey tea. If you don't even like Earl Grey tea, you can use the same technique, similar technique of like steeping the tea in the butter to get all that flavor out. Uh-huh. You could try other teas too. Like in, in icing on the cake, I did a similar uh, recipe that used a chai tea. So you could try it with different flavors too. Okay, and you are queen of the Swiss meringue buttercream. We're going to get technical for just a minute. Okay. Uh, I, I do a lot of American buttercream. Um, I've tried Swiss meringue and I've only ever used your recipes because I know that they will be delicious and they will work. What is the trick for Swiss meringue? Because people will ask me and I just send them to you. I just say, go ask Tessa because I won't be able to help you as well as she does. Um, I don't think there's too many tricks. I think you have to just keep going when things don't look right because you probably can save it. And I think a lot of people don't, if you don't know that, then you might think you've ruined it. Um, it's very, very forgiving. Mm-hmm. And you you heat the egg whites and the sugar over a double boiler, which means you don't have to have a candy thermometer like you would with Italian meringue buttercream. You don't have to be pouring sugar syrup into whipping eggs, which I know can be kind of intimidating. Um, so it's very forgiving. You just make your meringue, but it's, it really comes down to temperature and your butter. So when you add your butter to your meringue mixture, if the butter is too soft, like if you've had it sitting at room temperature for too long, it's going to just melt and turn to soup and people think that they ruined it. But it won't be ruined. All you have to do is put, put it back in the refrigerator, chill it for a little bit, and then you can remix it. On the other end, if you put the butter in and the butter itself is too cold still, like it hasn't been softened properly, it's going to look curdled and it's going to look kind of chunky and not super appetizing. And in that case, all you need is extra time to say, just keep mixing it and it'll most likely come together. Like before you throw it all out, just if you tried, just try, definitely try those different things mm-hmm. before, you know, you toss the whole thing away. Yeah. Because it's well, really, yeah, it's very forgiving in that way. That tip to keep going was super helpful the first couple times I made your recipes because I did have that panic moment of this doesn't look right. I'm about to toss it. And then in your instructions, it's like, no, just keep going. Like, just go with it. And it comes back together as you're mixing it. And then it's a beautiful, silky, really smooth buttercream. Yeah, I love it. Hi friends. I mentioned to you a little while ago that I started using Caliber CBD to help combat my stress and some unexpected bouts of sadness that I often get. Just like taking vitamins and working out, it's really become part of my routine because I know it helps me feel more like myself. Sometimes I add it to my smoothies and other times I just drink it with water. It's flavorless, so it makes it totally easy to add to anything, even your baked goods. And I've noticed that since I've started running again after my injury and I'm consistently taking Caliber, I'm not as sore during or after my runs. So that's a huge win for me. 
There's exactly 20 milligrams in each packet. So you know exactly how much you're getting compared to CBD oil, where it always feels like a guess. And also really important to me is that Caliber is completely THC free, which means all the benefits of CBD with no high. Today, I want to share with you an exclusive discount to try Caliper. You'll get 20% off your first order when you use promo code BEYONDCAKE at tricaliper.com forward slash BEYONDCAKE. You can try Caliper risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they'll give you a full refund. So head to tricaliper.com forward slash BEYONDCAKE and don't forget to use promo code BEYONDCAKE for 20% off your first order. All right, a couple more questions. What has been your biggest cake fail? <laughs> well, I think we talked about that first cake I made with the um, strawberries that slid out between the layers because I didn't believe in putting in all that sugar. <laughs> so that's kind of a funny thing because, you know, people still try to ask me, like, is there any, especially, it's, it's, it really comes down to sugar. Is there any way to make this recipe without less sugar? And, like, now I understand how it's not just for flavor and sweetness. There's, like, so many other roles that sugar plays. But, um so the, of course that one was a big mess. But as far as other cake, sorry, the question was my biggest cake fail. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still have little things happening now after all these years. And I t- always tell people the things that you should do. And I always try to skate past them sometimes. Like I'll go to make a cake at home and be in a rush or not want to go through all of the steps and be like, oh, it'll be okay. It's not. Like, <laughs> like the other, like this happened just recently. I tried to do a cake with strawberry filling, like jam filling. And I would always tell a student or write in a cookbook to do like a buttercream jam of, you know, around the edges of your cake before you fill it with the jam filling. Well, I don't know if I was feeling rushed or lazy or both. I'm like, oh, I could get past that. It'll be fine. No, here, here I am 15 years later, not taking my own advice and having strawberries squirting through the layers, trying to fix it. And you scrape it and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll just scrape it off and I'll patch it up. It doesn't work. <laughs> and I still, still tried to like, you know, fix it. I mean, I did end up fixing it by scraping all of the frosting off and starting over. But like, I feel like, if I've learned anything is just, you know, there, there are rules for a reason and all the tips and tricks I share, they really do help. And I just need to always, I should take my own advice more often. <laughs> uh, okay. As we wrap up, I'm curious, maybe what are like one or two things that 15 years of making cakes has taught you about yourself? Oh, Oh, that's a good one. Well, 15 years later, I still really love it. I enjoy the whole process. Um, like we we're saying, like there are rules for a reason, like you should, that you shouldn't skip over. And that kind of goes back to the whole like science of baking part. And um, I've learned that taking the time to like really measure and follow the steps for me is not about like the science, but it's, it's kind of therapeutic for me to be in the kitchen and knowing that if I put in these specific ingredients in this order, then then this is the result that's going to happen. And so for me, that's a whole different side of me. Like I, I, I get kind of anxious and very busy all the time, but that's a way to kind of calm down and de-stress a little bit. And then also it's very reassuring. Like I said, if you, most of the time, if you put in the same amounts of each ingredients, you're going to, you know, what's going to happen you know, like the, the cake's going to come out a certain way. So that's, 
very reassuring. And sometimes I, I need this when everything else is kind of chaos. Um, but also like the creative side, and that's, that's where I really fell in love with it the first time is um, the cake decorating and being able to express myself that way. Like I'm still really enjoying that. Um, and you asked like, how, how do I juggle the kids and the scheduling? Well, there are some nights where it's after the kids have long gone to bed, where I set out to just practice cake decorating in the kitchen at night. And because I love it so much, it doesn't feel like a chore or work. It's almost like a gift to be able to do that. And practicing actually is still something even now that I, I find that I actually, I really need to do. If I don't keep practicing, then not only does it keep me creative and coming up with new ideas, but it, it, a lot of it is, I feel like it is a lot of muscle memory. So if I haven't piped a buttercream rose in a very long time, I start to lose it. So I have to kind of, you know, keep up with practicing those skills. Um, so even though I've, I've done it so many times, if I take too much time off, I know that I should get in there. And I always, it always just, you know, kind of feels like home to back in the kitchen. So I'm not sure if that really answered your question. Yes. But 15 years later, I'm still in that kitchen late at night, you know, playing with buttercream and I still very much enjoy it. I love that so much. And it's so inspiring and it gives me and I'm sure so many listeners just hope that like even on the days that are really difficult when we're trying to manage the kids and work and we want that to like explore our passions that, um, you know, the time is worth it and we will most likely still love it in 15 years from now. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Where can everyone find your recipes, all the things that you share about cake? Okay. You can find, um, my favorite recipes in my cookbooks, of course. And that, yes. that would be layered is the first one. And that one's all about layer cakes. And then the second cookbook is called icing on the cake has lots of cakes too, but has other things as well. And that one has a lot of tutorials and like how to create, like I said, like create buttercream flowers or a pie lattice and things like that. You can also find my recipes online at stylesweet.com. I share them there. Um, and you can always find me on Instagram at stylesweetdaily. I'm always trying to share what we're up to, new recipes, a little bit about my kids and me and just how we're doing it all. You're, and I love it. You'll, you'll fall in love with Tessa and her kids and the stories and her beautiful pictures. You'll learn so much if you um, haven't been following her already. Tessa, thank you so much for your time today. This was so fun for me personally. And I know everyone learned so much. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, if I could say anything else, like, yes, I've been doing this for a long time. I have a lot of practice. Um, but I'm very, uh, I try to be very honest of how I've gotten started in the years and the work I've put into, but I'm still learning myself. And if you are, no matter where you are on your journey, um, just know that if you do it with a lot of heart and some practice, if you want to get there, you can. And even when you do get there, you might still make some mistakes. And so you just have to keep practicing and, um, hopefully you'll still enjoy the process. A a amen. I just going to echo all that you said, because you just said it perfectly. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. Thanks friends for tuning in today for show notes and other episodes of Courtney beyond the cake, head to cakebycourtney.com forward slash podcast. 
And for all things cake, remember you can find me over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Cake by Courtney. And for all my recipes, products, information about my online classes, just head to cakebycourtney.com. New season, new wardrobe, and we're kicking off fall in style with Macy's VIP sale. Use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 30% off fall's biggest trends. Apple picking on the agenda, hello plaid and tall boots, and hey, maybe this is the season you try culottes. And our best brands like Ink, Kelvin Klein, and Tommy Hilfiger, yep, they're included too. Plus, get your glam on with 15% off the beauty brands you love. And Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Going on now at Macy's. New season, new wardrobe, and we're kicking off fall in style with Macy's VIP sale. Use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 30% off fall's biggest trends. Apple picking on the agenda, hello plaid and tall boots, and hey, maybe this is the season you try culottes. And our best brands like Ink, Kelvin Klein, and Tommy Hilfiger, yep, they're included too. Plus, get your glam on with 15% off the beauty brands you love. And Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Going on now at Macy's.